Welcome back to Becoming Your Best Version, a podcast in which I interview inspiring women about what they do to become their best version. And today, I'm really excited to have on the show Dr. Ellen Albertson. She's a psychologist, a registered dietitian, board-certified health and wellness coach, Reiki master, and mindful self-compassion teacher. She is known as the midlife whisperer, and she helps women raise their vibration so that they have the energy, confidence, and clarity to make their next chapter their best chapter. She's a best-selling author, an inspirational speaker, and expert on women's well-being. Dr. Ellen has appeared on Extra, the Food Network, and NBC World News, and has been quoted in Psychology Today, Eating Well, and USA Today. She's written five books and many articles for publications like Self Magazine, Better Homes and Gardens, and Good Housekeeping. Her latest book is called Rock Your Midlife, Seven Steps to Transform Yourself and Make Your Chapter Your Best Chapter. She brings more than 25 years of counseling, coaching, and healing experience to her holistic practice and transformational work. She lives on the Champlain Islands of Vermont with her high-tech, raw food-loving partner, Ken, and her tree-climbing border collie, Rosie. You can go to themidlifewhisperer.com for more information about this extraordinary woman. Welcome, Dr. Ellen. Thank you, Maria. It is so good to be here. Thank you for that beautiful introduction. Well, I just had to have you on the show. Anyone who is known as the midlife whisperer. Wow, wow, wow. How did you earn that moniker? Well, I've been working with women at midlife for pretty much most of my career. Even before I was at midlife myself, I just found that that was the population that was coming to me. I found midlife women to be amazing, fascinating, needing support and coaching and then went through midlife myself. And then, you know, I had been the Grow and Glow coach for a while. And then I was at a meeting of gathering of mostly women entrepreneurs. And the idea just popped into my head. It was kind of like, what do I really do? And, you know, you think about like the horse whisperer and the cat whisperer and the dog whisperer. And I'm thinking, yeah, midlife women, they need a whisper, somebody who can understand what they're going through, kind of calm them down so they can listen to their true selves, so they can be really empowered to rock their midlife. That is fascinating that you were drawn to this demographic even before you entered it yourself. Wow. Do you have any any clue as to why that was? Well, I think part of it is, you know, it was, it's a calling. And I think that initially when I'd started my work, I've been a dietitian since 1993. So a lot of people who were coming to me were at this midlife stage where they were starting to have health issues, whether that is, you know, heart, you know, worrying about heart disease, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, blood sugar, those kinds of things sort of happen to us midlife if we're not following a healthy lifestyle. So I think initially they came to me and I was really um, struggling with having all of the tools in my toolkit because I was a psychologist back then. And as a dietitian, it was all about teaching people eat this, don't eat that. 
And so, you know, I really wanted to help these women because I'm passionate about health and well-being. And it's kind of just who started coming to me. And then in my 40s, I was a personal fitness trainer. And again, midlife women were looking to me as I was going through midlife. And then I actually went through all the ups and downs of midlife, made it through a live. Um, and so now I have a lot of personal experience. I transformed my own life at midlife. So I was kind of like using a lot of the experience of my clients, using that as a catalyst. So it's just been a passion of mine. Wonderful. How lucky we are that you are directing your considerable energies this way. And you have so many credentials and experiences that inform your work. I'm fascinated by your latest book, Rock Your Midlife, in which you bust outdated concept of midlife. So tell us about that. What are some of the outdated concepts in your opinion? Well, this whole idea, first of all, of crisis, right? So we sort of associate it, we kind of joke about it, but, you know, Benet Brown really talks about it as it's a complete unraveling. It can really be that way. And I think particularly for women, because, you know, we're going through physiological change. Most of us go through menopause and that's a huge change to your body from going through this fertile period of your life, both physiologically, psychologically, emotionally, we're going through, you know, external changes. We're going through changes in our relationships where our, you know, we've got kids, they're changing. We've got parents, they're getting older. We might be facing some you know, issues around our work. So I guess the, the, the outdated myth is sort of this idea of crisis. It's much more than that because crisis sort of is like this short term thing. And I think it needs, you know, midlife and menopause really need rebranding. I think we need to look at this period as a, powerful opportunity to transform. If we're happy and life is going great, that's awesome. But a significant number of people, particularly women, are really struggling at this period of time. And I think it's so exciting that there are people like yourself who are really coming out and doing this, you know, 50 plus types of podcasts and information. And we're talking about menopause and really saying, okay, what's happening here when I'm at this period in my life where I'm not as joyful and happy as I used to be. And I'm not sure what that's about, but what can I do so that when I'm on the other side, you know, I'll make the most of this upswing because there actually is a dip in happiness at 50, about 100, in across 132 countries. There's a lot of research on this that predictably happiness goes down uh, in our 40s. And so there is this kind of difficult period in midlife. And I think what we need to be talking about isn't so much crisis, but how do we make the most of our upswing? And that's really what the book's wow. about, of how do you actually transform at midlife so that you can really have an amazing second adulthood? That is fascinating. I mean, I did go through a difficult time during my 50th year because I got divorced. I got sober. I was living alone for my first time, became an empty nester. But now I'm 58 and I would say that this is probably one of the best years I've ever had in my entire life. Like I feel very comfortable with who I am and how my life is going now. So I had to go through uh, a period of um, change to get here, but I feel very centered now and happy. So, I mean, part of that is because my con concept of what happiness is changed, but nonetheless, I very feel very content and serene. So going back to your book, you also talk about uh, providing a step-by-step -step guide to enable readers to envision the life that they want and shift their vibe. 
so that they can attract what they want into their lives. So tell us, um, without giving away the whole book, what are some of the strategies that you suggest to your readers? Yeah, there actually are seven specific steps. And first, I want to compliment you on making that shift. I, I meet with a lot of women and there's a lot of fear, right? And in my, even myself, I was in a marriage that wasn't working for me, did the same thing, got divorced. I'm 59 now and really having the best time of my life. So if you're listening and you're feeling I'm stuck, maybe you are looking to substances, whether that's food, alcohol, you know, shopping, whatever that is to feel better. You know, you face that transformation. So it's amazing that you did that. And that's why I really wrote the book for women like yourself who are listening and feeling like, oh my God, where do I start? So the first step is really knowing yourself. And I think um, a lot of times we are clawing up this ladder of success of what we think, you know, you'd mentioned like you've changed your definition of happiness. We have this idea of what happiness, what success is, but like our ladder's up against the wrong building because we haven't, you know, we haven't sat down and said, like, what is happiness to me? What is success? I know for myself, I was kind of following someone else's success script. And so when I got to the top of that building, it was like, wait a minute, I'm at the top of the building and the view from up here isn't really great. I don't like it up here. Um, and so we have to know ourselves. That's really the first step of, you know, again, as Brene Brown says, let go of who you think you're supposed to be and embrace who you are. And I give people lots of ways they can really get to know themselves. The second step, which was so pivotal for me, was moving from self-loathing to self-love. And I had a you know, fierce self-critic. I felt like I needed to beat myself up about everything, my marriage, my career, my body. I had negative body image. Again, just always trying to get one more degree, one more step of success, then I'll feel good about myself. But it was like I was carrying this not enoughness in this giant backpack into my future. And that's what showed up. And no matter what I did, no matter how many degrees I got, no matter how much money I made, how much success I had, there wasn't this real deep sense of okayness. And I was really fortunate enough to meet um, Kristen Neff, who is the pioneer in this whole field of self-compassion. And she was on my dissertation committee. Um, she agreed to, to help me with my research if I learned self-compassion, which was kind of like a, hmm, I, it was a whole step outside my comfort zone to learn this area that so self-compassion is kind of the how of self-love and the heart of self-care. Um, and that was a real change for me. When you start to really love yourself and know yourself, you stop doing things that are bad for you, that insult your soul. You can't, you know, keep doing those patterns. When, when we finally get to this place where enough is enough, I've got to change. We muster up the courage to make changes. And I want to say you can enter at any of these seven steps. So like for me, the self-compassion piece was huge because um, I wasn't loving myself. And that was a huge shift that gave me the, the courage to follow my heart and change my life. And also the um, re resourcefulness and the um, resilience to care for myself. Self-compassion is both a life vest and a parachute. So it's a life vest when we're going through COVID, when we're going through divorce, empty nest, maybe a health diagnosis. I went blind three times going through this tough stuff, self-compassion is like, I gotcha. Cause you've got, you learn how to, you know, hold yourself, but it's also a parachute because you can step outside your comfort zone, take risks, take chances, you know, write that book, go out on that date, join that gym, do, the, do those things you've been scared of doing. Cause you know that you can pick yourself up if you fall. So self-compassion is super powerful. So that's step two in my book. Step three is energize yourself. So in that 
um, that step, I really take all of my expertise as a coach, a health and wellness coach, and also a dietitian, a psychologist to help people at midlife be their healthiest. Because if you're not healthy, you can't rock your midlife. So if, you know, if you're dealing with health issues, it's very difficult to have the energy to enjoy your life and transform yourself. But the good news is no matter where you are, you can always reverse yourself. I think at midlife, it's not too late. We can, you know, change our lifestyle. We can start to move our bodies. We can eat better. We can deal with stress. We can, you know, enjoy our life more. There's so much that we can do. So those are the, the, the first three steps of, yeah. of the book. I love that. I love how you've broken it down into manageable chunks that one can focus on. Um, and I see in the table of contents that you have a seven day plan for action. So readers can make some very positive changes quickly in their lives. Yeah, the point is getting unstuck, right? So, I mean, we have to do something, even if it's small, whether that's gonna be like, I'm gonna change the color I wear all the time, or I'm gonna change my hair, or I'm gonna drive a different way to work, or I'm gonna read a different type of book. Or for, you know, one thing I've been doing that I'm loving is, I got myself a ukulele and it's like, it's just giving me all of this like freedom and fun of remembering how much I love music as a kid. And it's so easy to play, but you've, you've got to get unstuck. So I wanted the seven day plan. So someone could just like dive right in. And if I follow this for seven days, I'm going to get unstuck. And that's going to help move me forward because, you know, the universe will like send you in the right direction. You know, opportunities will start to show up. God will help you out, but you've got to put your foot on the gas. It's like, I live in Vermont. It's like mud season, right? You can get stuck, but you've got to like, you've got to like put the cardboard under the tires or get a toe <laughs> or do something to get unstuck to move forward. Cause our brain's not interested in us getting unstuck or even being happy. I talk a lot about neuroscience in the book because you have to understand your brain. Our brain is interested in keeping us safe and getting that divorce, right? Joining that gym, changing careers, that's uncertain and that's unsafe. So that's why we have this fear ingrained in us. We have to learn how to jump over the fear so that we can move forward. Yes, yes. Well, you're such a prolific writer that uh, I wonder, do you still see individual clients? I do. I do. I'm not okay. seeing as many. And one of the reasons I wrote the book is that I want to influence more women. Again, want to change the way we look at midlife, give women a really roadmap, a template for this time period. But I, you know, so, I, but I still do see individual clients because that's always informing the work that I'm doing. And it's just so amazing to see people change really from the inside out, because what happens, and I don't know if this has been your experience, Maria, when you start to change the inside. So when you have a higher sense of self-worth and self-love and self-care, well, the external world starts to show up differently, but it takes time, right? We make the inner change and then the outer change shows up. Have you noticed that in your life? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, that's such a truth. Uh, thank you. Why the, yeah, the, seven, the sixth step is so important, which is rehab your relationships because what ends up happening is, you know, you start to transform and you feel different. You're growing, you're learning, you're feeling joyful again, but everybody else in your life or most of the people in your life still are like, Hey, wait, you're the caterpillar, right? Like I don't see the butterfly <laughs> you. And so you need to know how to relate to people in a way so that you can get your needs met so that you can learn to stand up for yourself so that you can, you know, really, um, 
have people supporting you instead of leaning into the old like people pleaser, good girl way of being, which I think a lot of uh, women have really been programmed to put others first, to not get their needs met. And that can really thwart your progress as you, you know, try to rock your midlife. That is so true. That is such, such good advice to so many of us who are indeed socialized to be people pleasers. I am a chronic recovering people pleaser, or rather a recovering chronic people pleaser. Yes, absolutely. So I love that in the appendix to your book, you have 21 ways to get unstuck and you named a few, but would you mind sharing a couple more? Sure. You know, I think something to look at too is, you know, seeing what kinds of media are you looking at? Who are you surrounding yourself with? What's your, what are your routines that you engage with on a daily basis? I think right now is a really good time as we're sort of getting towards spring a little bit and we're sort of, you know, past the New Year's resolutions, you know, spring is just a couple of weeks away to really look at what are the habits that I am engaging with on a daily basis? What are the, some of the habits that I can change? I think sometimes it's fun with spring again to think about changing your look, right? So thinking about, you know, could I get a new haircut? Could I see a stylist and dress differently? Um, thinking about, you know, what types of books do you read? How do you engage with your um, leisure time? And, you know, even things like we only cook, you know, like a dozen things every week. What are, maybe I'll try a new recipe or I'll learn a new skill or I'll make a new friend, putting it out there, setting some intention to do something new that's going to get you unstuck. I love it. Love it. Love it. And I see that you offer coaching services, speaking engagements. You do so much influencer marketing, so many aspects to your offerings that you are a very busy woman. Um, and also a fantastic blog on here. Again, go to the midlifewhisper.com to check out Dr. Ellen's blog. She um, has a recent entry about the best, best self-growth books for changing your life and perspective. Um, awesome. Maybe my book 50 After 50 will make it in there at some point. <laughs> I will pick it up for sure. Uh, okay, great. Um, one thing I like to do with other female authors in particular is to exchange books and exchange reviews. So maybe we can work on that. Um, I also recommend everyone join her mailing list because she has a free gift that she's offering subscribers. So you will want to, as I am doing, I am doing right now, you will want to join this mailing list because this is a woman who has a lot to offer us, not just those of us in, in midlife, those of us who want to rock our lives in general. I mean, who, who couldn't use some of this advice? I certainly don't know of anyone who couldn't stand to be reminded of ways to uplift ourselves, of ways to practice self-care, of ways to manifest goodness in our lives. And I love that you approach it in a holistic way because you have training in different, um, different fora that inform the way you approach, um, approach your work. So for instance, 
you are a registered dietitian. Well, that's that's really important because that's something I certainly let slide and don't have any training in whatsoever. And I have a huge sweet tooth. So I frequently sabotage my eating habits and my health because of all the sugar I consume. So I am definitely going to get more involved in following everything you're putting out into the world because it's really great. Well, thank you. I think it, it all does work together. And just, I know a lot of women do really struggle with the sugar issue, particularly I think with COVID. I think what happens is that we are you know, dealing with a lot of stress and difficult emotions. And then what happens is we want to have a rise in dopamine, which is the reward, uh, the chemical reward. So we feel better temporarily. But what happens is that um, once we finish the sweet food, we're still left with the same difficult emotions and the same issues. So I find with, with people in the research, there's some recent interesting research that really shows that even if you just pause and wait, the comfort food, the things that you're turning to actually don't make you feel better. It's sort of the wait time in between. So this whole area of self-compassion is really an emotional regulatory technique to learn how to embrace all your emotions. So to see if I, if I can just, I'd like people to remember the acronym HALT, which stands for hungry, anger, anxious, lonely, or tired. So if you feel like you are, you know, wanting to have a threesome with Ben and Jerry's, just pause for a moment and ask, what am I feeling right now? And what happens is when you name that emotion, you actually tame it. So you take it from the kind of subconscious part of your brain that's just going, I've got to have some sugar, some chocolate to feel better. And it's super common. I, I see that most of the women who come to see me initially are doing it because they are struggling with a sweet tooth or eating alcohol, those kinds of things. But when you pause and you ask, gee, what do I really need right now? You sort of feel my, what am I feeling? Where is this emotion in my body? And then making, actually making a list of alternative activities that you could do instead. So, you know, could I read? Could I play an instrument, listen to music, dance, call a friend, journal, color? Like, what could I do right now and go for a walk instead? That can really, really help. So it's totally doable. But I think piece two is, you know, finding things in your life that really light you up because the more joy we have, the more contentment, the more fulfillment, the less likely we are to run to dopamine because we're feeling reward and fulfillment from our day-to-day our -day activities. Gosh, that is so true. When I first, um, first started seeing a therapist, she asked me what brought me joy. And aside from my children, I couldn't think of a single thing at that moment in my life. And it took a lot of work to plumb areas of my life and realize that there were things that were bringing me joy. I just wasn't savoring them or considering them in the way they were bringing spark to my life. I just wasn't. I was stuck in a deep hole of gloom. So um, I also love how you recommend people create a personal happiness mantra, which um, is definitely something that got me out of, of, out of funks in my life. Um, I call otherwise known as affirmations. And um, I thought affirmations were silly. I thought in, when I first learned about them, but I personally have experienced how they become true. They rewire my brain to believe in the truth of whatever it is I'm focusing on and repeating in my life. So what, Dr. Ellen, is your personal happiness mantra today? Today, you know, 
I think to just say this moment is, you know, I am happy and grateful just to be alive and just mm -hmm. to, to be who I am. And I love that the happy and grateful, and you can put anything after it. Like if you want something, let's say you want to have a healthier, healthier body. I am happy and happy and grateful that I have a healthier body. I am happy and grateful that I've met the love of my life. I'm happy and grateful that I got this dream job. You know, I am happy and grateful that I landed this book contract or I got on the bestseller list is kind of where I'm at right now. But I love this the idea of happy and grateful or just, you know, I'm happy and grateful for today because the thing about affirmations is they have to feel true. Yes. If you say an affirmation, like, you know, I'm going to be a millionaire in, in two weeks, if it's not true, right. it really can backfire for you. So you have to find something that really resonates with your soul. And that will really help you. Like you found in your life, affirmations can really affirming what you know to be true and what you're feeling um, is super important. But lately I've been really leaning to, I am happy and grateful for blank and and sort of putting myself in the future reality that I'm trying to create. I love it. I love it. So everything that you have said deeply resonates with me. And um, I don't know if you know this, but I am in AA and I have been a proud member of AA for almost 10 years. And HALT is a common acronym that we use. Don't let yourself get hungry, angry, lonely, or tired is what we in the 12-step community use that acronym to mean, which is basically what you said as well. And uh, it has really made a difference in my life because I notice when I'm starting to get hungry that I can behave differently if I'm not attending to these needs. And also something you said earlier about leaning into your feelings as a way to avoid certain behaviors, because I am someone who ran from discomfort at all costs. And until I could learn to tolerate discomfort, I couldn't um, stop drinking. I couldn't stop acting out, couldn't stop a lot of things that were not serving me. So um, I really appreciate your sage advice, your reminders, your um, just every everything you're doing to raise the vibration of our planet. So I always like to ask the people on the show, what do you do to become your best version? I would say uh, two things. So practicing self-compassion. Because when you can stop beating yourself up, when you, when you understand the elements of self-compassion, which are start enacting them, being kind to yourself rather than critical, understanding common humanity, which means, you know, stuff happens, right? We're, and we all make mistakes. We're imperfect beings. And then the mindfulness piece is being mindful to yourself when you notice, like when you notice those difficult emotions to stop and say, all right, this is this. I'm feeling something difficult right now. What do I need? So self-compassion is one, learning to love myself, treat myself like a good friend. And I would say um, the other one for me, and you've noticed I talk a little fast, but slowing down and listening to my intuition is something mm -hmm. that I'm really learning right now to understand that intuition is kind of the voice of your soul of what's that deep, wise, eternal observer part of me that's been with me my whole life, regardless of your age, that um, just sit, slowing down and getting quiet enough to listen. Great advice. Great. I love it. I love that. And I'm going to think more about what you just said. And I am so grateful that you took the time from your day to be on this podcast and share your, your wisdom. 
So again, everyone go to the midlifewhisperer.com to learn more about Dr. Ellen's work. And if you want coaching, if you need a really good speaker, if you want to find out more about her books, do it. The midlifewhisperer.com. Thank you, Dr. Ellen, for being on the show. Thank you, Maria. It's been such a delight. And I really appreciate your vulnerability to share your story. It's really empowering. And I cannot wait to read your book, 50 Beyond 50. And I'll totally share reviews with you. That sounds like a wonderful thing to do, to celebrate that we're, you know, in our almost 60th year. Yeah, we're coming. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye.